So hi everyone and welcome to another Sunday Zoom meeting. So we are going to continue our journey through the um, Miracle Principles of A Course in Miracles and we have come up to Miracle Principle number 23. <clears throat> And today we're going to spend a good bit of time, we may just do Miracle Principle 24, but we'll see how it goes. Um, and this is a, a sticky one <laughs> and a controversial one. Um, and people are going to understand this differently. And you're going to have to make your mind up um, about what it means for you. But I'm going to tell you about what it means for me and why. Um, so let's have a look at this principle. Miracles enable you to heal the sick and raise the dead because you made sickness and death yourself and can therefore abolish both. You are a miracle capable of creating in the likeness of your creator. Everything else is your own nightmare and does not exist. Only the creations of light are real. Okay, so there's so many levels to this. Um, let's see where we'll begin. All right, we're going to return to our story that we have visited a number of times. And it is the story of the apparent separation. So, um, into eternity, we're all as one. There crept that tiny mad idea. Um at which the Son of God forgot to laugh. And this was simply amusing, um, an idea. What would it be like if there was an opposite to oneness, if there was separateness? Um, it was not a rebellion against heaven. <laughs> it was not an attack on God. It was an idea that was explored on some level, okay? Um, and with the idea, uh, it seemed like it happened, the impossible. So it was amusing on what would it be like if the impossible happened? I mean, it can't happen, but what would it be like if it did? Um, and then it seemed like it happened. Okay. And so heaven, where there is no separate consciousness, there is no God to perceive himself in relation to his creation and no creation to perceive itself in relation to God. There is just a oneness joined as one, a perfect oneness, one light. We could see God as the source of light and there are all the rays of light that extend from God and there's nowhere where God ends and the sun begins. There's nowhere where the ray of the source of light ends and where the ray of light begins. And that's that's our heaven. Okay, and into that crept the idea, what if it wasn't like this? <laughs> what if there was actually like a break? What if there was a me that could know itself in relation to God, which is impossible, but what would that be like? And then it seemed like it happened. And this is consciousness. And so consciousness is now an apparently separated son of God that has split off from God and Christ as a oneness joined as one and goes... Oh my God, this has happened. <laughs> okay. Um, so consciousness being a split, the first split introduced into the mind after separation, um, it continues to split. And consciousness splits into the ego and the Holy Spirit. And the ego is the part that's saying, oh my God, this is real. I've actually done this. I have broken free of heaven. Um, I am a me. 
I am not a oneness joined as one. Um, and the other, so that's wrong-minded consciousness, and right-minded consciousness is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, it simply looks on this idea and doesn't believe it. It doesn't respond to it because it's illusory. It can't be true. Um, so at this point, the apparently separated son of God has a decision to make. Okay. Do I go with the, the thought that separateness is real? Or do I go with the thought that says what separateness? And a decision was made, which was to go with the ego. And with that decision, the Holy Spirit gets walled off, split off in the mind. Now, instantly, this is reality. This is full-blown psychosis. This is like, this is real. I've actually done this. Okay, now... Okay, for storytelling purposes, I'm going to do the same thing as Jesus does, and I'm going to talk about the ego like it's a thing, like it's an entity, right? It is not. It is a thought system. It is a way of thinking. So really, when I'm talking about the ego, I'm talking about consciousness when it is wrong-minded, okay, the way in which thoughts will happen, okay, based on the beliefs that are accepted. But for the points of the story, I'm going to talk about the ego like an entity. Please don't think the ego is a, a demon or <laughs> a, a devil or anything like that. It is not. It is simply a thought system. That is all, which is based on separateness being real. Okay, so the apparently separated son, having made a decision for the ego, now sort of becomes the ego. Okay. Um, and there is this idea that this existence as a separate thing is tenuous that there is some higher power here so the ego believes there is some higher power here that can choose against this and it's all going to be over and so um a strategy emerges because uh, the higher power is the decision maker the decision to choose against separateness and and be the memory of the oneness, okay? So a strategy is, is now put in place, which will um, get rid of the problem as the ego sees it, which is the ability of the son's mind to choose, to simply choose against separateness being true, okay? So this is the ego's um, problem. This is the big problem the ego has is that it, it, it could end in a heartbeat because <laughs> there's this higher power that can choose against it. And so their strategy emerges, which is to make the son mindless so that he cannot choose against the ego. Now, the ego doesn't know about the Holy Spirit, but it, it knows there is a threat to its existence. Um, okay. And so this strategy is that the son must become mindless. If he is mindless, he cannot undo what's been done. He cannot simply choose against, against separateness, the ego. 
Okay, so the first thing then, the ego instructs us. Now, really, this is just our own thoughts. This is a way of thinking. But the ego is instructing the Son of God. Um, and this is where the idea of the rebellion against God is born. Okay, because the ego tells us, now you have succeeded. Separateness is real. Heaven was brought down. You brought down heaven to be a me. You killed oneness. You rebelled against God. Okay, because there's a you. If there's a you, if there is separateness, then oneness can't exist anymore. Because it's one or the other. You can't have separateness and oneness at the same time. One of them is not true. And so if I accept the belief that separateness is real, that means oneness is not real. It can't be. It has ended. It has come to an end. I've destroyed it. It was me or God. I chose me. It's done. So that's what the ego tells us. So you have succeeded, but the price is terrible. You have attacked God. You've brought down heaven. You've destroyed everything that was holy and loving in the universe. And you've done that to, to win this freedom. Um, so now the realization is that sin, because that's what we call it. That's what the ego calls it sin. We have sinned against God and the inevitability is the horrific, crushing, self-loathing guilt that I'm left with. And then inevitably there is the fear that God's coming back. There's no way he's going to take this line down. He is coming for me. Um, and so basically the ego tells us, you know, you, I won't go into the, the third split. We've talked about that before. I'm just going to keep it simple. Right. Um, where we split off the guilt and the guilt seems like God and we leave our mind. So we know that's, that's what happens on the third split, but let's not go into that in too much detail. Uh, basically the ego informs us that, um, we don't stand a prayer. He's God. <laughs> He's going to crush you. He's going to end what you took from him. Um, because he will do that to restore oneness. You do not have a prayer. You cannot stay on the battleground of your mind. That's where he's coming for you. You've, you've got to get out of dodge. Um, so basically, the one problem that the ego has is the son's power to choose against it for the memory of heaven and that oneness is still there. That's the one problem the ego has. That is the only problem there is as far as the ego is concerned. And what the ego does is it makes up a new problem as a shield against the real problem. So the ego convinces the son and he says, you know, yes, you're separate. That's not the problem. The problem is what you had to do to get it. The terrible guilt that you have and the inevitability and the awfulness of God's reprisal for it. So this is completely made up. God was never attacked. There was an idea in heaven. What would it be like? It seemed like it happened. Consciousness emerges. Uh, we choose the ego, the belief in consciousness, rather than the Holy Spirit that says what consciousness. and and now the ego realizes the only problem now is that a higher power can end this in a heartbeat. Um, so 
the ego has made up a new problem, which is completely non-existent. It says God was attacked. Heaven was destroyed. You are this awfulness. You are the home of evil, darkness and sin. Um, and, and we now, this is our problem. This is our problem. So the ego has made up this story of sin, guilt and fear, which is completely untrue. There is no truth to it whatsoever, but this story has been made up to shield us from the Holy Spirit's correction, the ability of the son's mind to choose against all of this and be whole. So sin, guilt and fear does not exist. It's a made up problem to cover up, to be a smokescreen about the original problem, uh, which is the son's ability to choose against the ego. So now this is a problem <laughs> because the, the guilt is awful. Um, and so now there's another solution, which is the fourth split. And it is um, project everything outside of your mind, leave your mind, project yourself into the world that you've projected and, and become mindless. Close off the door to your mind forever. Become a mindless within the world. And so we made up the world because we're listening to the ego. In other words, we're thinking with the ego thought system. That's the software that's running on the son's mind. So there is one problem, which is the decision of the mind to choose. A new problem is completely manufactured, which is the existence of sin, guilt and fear. And this is to cover over the, the real problem, which is the mind's ability to choose. And now a new solution comes out. OK, so this this is the second shield and the double shield of oblivion, which is the world. And the sole purpose of the world is to protect us from the sin, guilt and fear in our mind. And the sole purpose of the sin, guilt and fear in our mind is to protect us from the love. So we have the love of the Holy Spirit. We have a shield, which is this manufactured idea that there is sin, guilt and fear. And then we manufacture a world to protect us from the shield of sin, guilt and fear. So that's metaphysically what has happened. So God hasn't made the world. He knows nothing about it. <laughs> there is no such thing in reality as bodies and people and animals and plants and flowers and sky and earth and sea. It doesn't exist. It is what Ken Wapnick would call, um, what would he call it now? Someone's on the tip of my tongue there a moment, a maladaptive solution to a non-existent problem. So the world is a maladaptive solution to the non-existent problem of sin, guilt and fear, because it's an illusion. And the sin, guilt and fear was a maladaptive um, solution to the non-existent uh, problem of the ego and the son's ability to choose against it. So we made, Jesus says, the world rose from the guilt to keep the guilt hidden. And that's the only purpose the world has. <laughs> So we're hiding out in the world, seeing evil outside of us instead of inside of us. That's the shield. Because we now find ourselves in the world and the evil is not in me. 
The sin is not in me. The guilt is not in me. Now, the fear is still in me. But now I'm afraid of the evil things out there. And what they want to do to me and what they're going to do to me and what they have done to me. But there's nothing out there. So I get to keep my fear, but I've given the sin away. So if we were to take a reading here, um, judgment is but a toy, a whim. This is from chapter 20, The Vision of Holiness. Um, paragraph seven. So judgment is but a whim, a toy, a whim, the senseless means to play the idle game of death in your imagination. So that's like when we look with the ego, um, we're going to have judgment. And Jesus says, this is, you know, a toy, a whim, a senseless means to play this imaginary game of death in your mind. But now he wants to talk about vision. What happens when we look with the Holy Spirit? And here's what he says, because this is what looking with the Holy Spirit does. But vision sets all things right, bringing them gently within the kindly sway of heaven's laws. What if you recognize this world is an hallucination? What if you really understood you made it up? What if you realized that those who seem to walk about in it, to sin and die, attack and murder and destroy themselves are wholly unreal? Could you have faith in what you see if you accepted this? And would you see it? So I have a split mind. And when I identify with the lowest aspect of myself, the body, the insane voice talking to itself, um, now I am going to feel lacking and wanting and needing and guilty. And I'm going to deny it all and split it off and project it out and look at the world and go, you did it to me. You're the reason for this. You're the reason for my fear. Um, but the whole thing is made up. So when Jesus says, what if you really understood you made it up? He's not talking to Keith. There's no Keith. <laughs> Keith is the figure in the dream. Jesus is talking to the dreamer of the dream here. The mind that made the world as a defense against the guilt, so it could see it outside of itself and not have to look at it within. Okay, so that's, that's who he's talking to here. What if you really understood you made it up? But if you realize that those who seem to walk about in it, to sin and die, attack and murder and destroy themselves are wholly unreal. So when I identify as a body and an insane voice talking to itself, I will automatically um, see everything outside me as bodies that I'm making real and personalities that I'm making real. But if I step back from that, if I step back from identifying as the body, the insane voice talking to itself, and I join Jesus above the battleground. Then from there, I can say, this whole thing's a dream. Because I touch into the identity I have there, in Jesus, with Jesus, outside the movie, 
And now when I look at the movie, um, I would see what I am as the truth shining behind an illusion. That God is one song. So it's only when I identify as the dream character that I will look on the world as real. But if I step back into the dreamer of the dream position, which is what above the battleground means, now I can say this whole thing is made up. Because the, the oneness, the completeness, the wholeness, the holiness that I connect into where Jesus is, that's all I see everywhere I look. Behind a harmless movie of separateness and fragmentation. So if I identify, if, if I go with that first pronoun error that says I, me, the separate self, me, the body, um, then suddenly all the other pronoun errors are come into being. And now suddenly the pronoun error of you and he and she and it and them and those, they all come into existence. So Jesus says, if you, you know, make a self for yourself, you got to make a self for everyone else. And that's what happens. But if I disidentify from this self, if I become a non-judgmental observer in the Holy Spirit, not Keith, a decision maker lets go of Keith and becomes a non-judgmental observer, then that's where I see this whole thing is made up. And so that's the holy instant. And this is why Jesus says, never forget you give but to yourself. Who understands what giving means must laugh at the idea of sacrifice. Nor can he fail to recognize the many forms which sacrifice may take. He laughs as well at pain and loss, at sickness and at grief, at poverty, starvation, and at death. He recognizes sacrifice remains the one idea that stands behind them all, and in his gentle laughter are they healed. Now, if I am identified as a body, as an insane voice talking to itself, and I am laughing at poverty, starvation, and at death, well, it means I am what the world calls a psychopath. And so that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, you, Keith, go and laugh at the suffering that you see in the world. That's not what he's saying. That would be incredibly wrong-minded. And so instead, what he's saying is he's not speaking to Keith because there's no Keith. Um, he's speaking to the dreamer of the dream. And so when, as a decision maker, I disidentify from the separate self and I go back into the position of non-judgmental awareness, that's where I understand this whole thing is made up because this awareness is all that there is. The awareness I am is what I know is everywhere. behind the dream of people living and dying and murdering and killing themselves. Okay, so oneness and sickness cannot exist. Well, let's go down a little bit. Uh, this is from the manual, chapter 12, how many teachers of God are needed to save the world. Awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. They watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die, 
yet they are not deceived by what they see. They recognize that to behold a dream figure as sick and separate is no more real than to regard it as healthy and beautiful. Unity alone is not a thing of dreams, and it is this God's teachers acknowledge as behind the dream. Beyond all seeming, and yet surely theirs. In that position I'm in, above the battleground, identifying as awareness, and you know, the, which is the dreamer of the dream and not the dream figure, um, the unity is the fact that what I am is what what is all there is. You know, it doesn't matter whether there's in the movie there's like a sick person or a well person. <laughs> there's just unity. That's a dream, and there's just unity. There's God's one son. So I think that it's very easy for our ego to get very carried away with miracle principle number 24. Miracles enable you to heal the sick and raise the dead because you made sickness and death yourself and can therefore abolish both. Um, the dream is purposive. We did not write the dream so dogs stayed puppies forever. We did not write the dream so we got sexier as we got older. <laughs> We did not write the dream so, you know, we could um, have good weather all the time. We did not write the dream so, you know, um, gosh, we could go on and on and on, you know. There was always rainbows in the sky, um, you know. <laughs> Fairies are real, um, whatever. <laughs> um, the dream is purposive. It's not random. We designed the dream so we could see the evil we believe in ourselves outside in everything that's made up. And so we can feel innocent by going, you're the guilty one. You're the sinner. You're the bad one. I am the innocent victim. So my belief that I am the victimizer of God is now seen outside in the world and none of it's real it's a story that's been made up so i can see evil people out there unholy people out there okay so let's take one more quote I think I pretty much know this one. You'll, you'll know Lesson 93. Uh, I don't think I need to look it up. The self you made is not the son of God. Therefore, this self does not exist at all. It is neither bad nor good. It is unreal and nothing more than that. Okay, so there's no Keith. You, as the dreamer of the dream, dreamed a dream where you dreamed about Keith. And Eli. And Sparkle. <laughs> And the trees and the flowers and Kenneth Wapnick and you dread the whole thing. Okay. Um, so there's no Keith. And there's no you that you think you are. And there's no people out there suffering and dying, shifting and changing. There's none of that. There is the unity, which is the recognition that there is just God's one son. So a very important um, um, phrase in the course where Jesus says, um, 
well, he says, there is no world. This is the central message this course seeks to teach. And he goes on to say, you can only go as far as you're willing to go with that for now, you know, and you may broach this idea and run away from it and come back to it. But ultimately, this is what you need to understand. There's no world. Absolutely no world. And he also says, seek not to change the world. Seek to change your mind about the world. The world is there to protect you from having to look at the guilt in yourself. That's its purpose. That's why it was made. So you did not have to look at the guilt in your own mind. That's why we, as this dreamer of the dream, made a story up about murderers and war criminals and rapists and child murderers and killer animals and killer sharks and bad weather and tragedies. And we made the whole thing up. And you did it because you could look outside and go, that's awful. Isn't that terrible? Which stops you from looking inside and going, that terribleness is mine. That's what I believe about myself. It's any purpose the world has. So the miracle worker, Jesus says, the sole responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself, which means the whole thing never happened. Separateness never happened. Okay, so with the miracle, the thing we've been drilling over and over again for the last, you know, quite intensely for the last two months, the miracle looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. The miracle establishes you dream a dream and its content is not true. So what you're seeing is a content, um, well, that's maybe me using content differently. What you're seeing is a form which hides content. The content is the guilt, self-loathing, hatred in my mind. And the form it's going to take in the world is the killers and the murderers and the people that messed me around and the people that treated me badly and betrayed me and embarrassed me and beat me and whatever else the case may be. And so it would be a mistake because because it's very tempting when I'm identified as an ego for me to think that this miracle principle is saying, I'm going to go out there as a holy ego and I'm going to visit the hospital and everyone's going to sit up from their beds from death in the morgue and it's wonderful. Now, if I do that, I am saying God's son is a body. I am saying sickness is real. I'm saying egos are real. The people we made up. Um, if we return to... What if you really understood you made it up? What if you realized that those who seem to walk about in it, to sin and die, attack and murder and destroy themselves are wholly unreal? You made it up. And you made it up so you could 
not have to look at a self-hatred and fear and guilt in your own mind? The answer is not that I go to what I made up, make it real, and make and try to make it better. That's not the answer. Again, when I attack the Christ in myself to identify as Keith, a body in the world, uh, an insane voice talking to itself in my mind, once I do that, it is very tempting to go, I will be this wonderful miracle worker. I'm going to fix the world. I'm going to change the world instead of changing my mind about it. Instead of letting the miracle remind me that what I see is false, that I dream a dream and its content is not true. Keith's never going to see that. Keith is the figure in the dream. I've got to identify as the dreamer of the dream. And that means letting go of the ego's hand. Okay. The only thing I have to do to fall back into the arms of the Holy Spirit or Jesus uh, to go where they are is choose against the ego. Choose against being the separate thing. Choose against being the body. Choose against being the insane voice talking to itself in my mind. And when I do that, I understand I'm dreaming a dream and it is purposive. And the horrors I see out there are to protect me from realizing that's the horrors I believe are inside myself. So that's what the miracle is. I look at the form something takes, which is someone betraying me or attacking me or beating me. Um, and I And I step outside of being the thing that's being attacked. And I understand this is a dream and that that is happening in the dream. So I didn't have to look at the fact that I believe I'm guilty, that I'm the attacker, that I'm the bad person. And so whatever bad feelings are coming up for me, whatever judgment and hatred and, you know, this is a bad thing and this is a bad person. Um, that's just a projection of what I believe about myself onto a movie that's not true. OK, but if I come back and I step out of ego and I become this non-judgmental awareness with the Holy Spirit, everything that I'm feeling will end. And I can look again at the movie and know it's harmless. That's what forgiveness is. The harmlessness in me sees the harmlessness in everything that's out there. The awareness in me sees itself in everything. You know, it doesn't stop at the illusion and make it real. And it doesn't stop at the illusion and go, it's an illusion. It looks beyond the illusion to the truth. That's what we've got to do. And that's why I can only find my innocence by seeing it in everything and everyone. I can't find my innocence by going, yeah, but it's all made up. Okay. Uh, Jesus says the temple of the Holy Spirit is the relationship. I can only find my innocence by seeing it in everything I look upon. So again, the miracle worker is not walking into morgues <laughs> going, you know, who's next to get resurrected. That is not what a miracle worker does. The miracle worker um, understands that there's no death, that there's nothing here, that there's nothing living, that there's nothing dying. There is this this one truth, this one son of God, this one dreamer of the dream, which it sees everywhere. 
it sees it falls back into I fall back as a decision maker into innocence. And I only see that innocence everywhere. Now, when I fall back and experience that innocence in my own mind, and I now look and see that innocence in another person, that's what healing is. Only minds are healed. Only guilt needs to be healed. Um, and, and once that happens, that may have effects in the world, like people getting better, um, people being more peaceful, people making their peace with dying. It, it's going to take lots of different forms, you know, miraculous, you know, rebounding from an illness. It's going to take lots of different forms. Um, the miracle worker doesn't care about any of that because all it sees is the deathless, innocent, whole Christ shining the same in absolutely everyone, knowing nothing, none of the rest of it's real. It's not trying to fix the people we made up. All that does is confirms that they are bodies, that they are broken, that they can be vulnerable. It makes the error real and tries to fix it. So the miracle worker falls back into a place where he knows the truth of himself and what I am, everything is. And as I see everything, that's what I am. So we could think about it this way. Forgiveness is where, you know, what I see outside me is what I am. So forgiveness is cleaning that up. And healing is where what I am, everything is. So we use forgiveness um, to clean up what we're seeing outside because it's what's inside me. And now that I know what's inside me, that's what I extend. And that's healing. So let's see if there's anything else we want to say about this miracle principle. Miracles enable you to heal the sick and raise the dead. Yes, absolutely it does. Um, because we made up the whole dream. You as the dreamer of the dream, you made this whole thing to cover up your own guilt and see it outside of yourself. Could you change, you know, the whole thing? Yes. Um, but again, the dream was purposive. We didn't make it so we could be happy bodies. We made it so we could be innocent victims instead of guilty victimizers. You are a miracle. Now, Jesus is using miracle there very differently than everywhere else. He uses the word miracle in the course. So we don't want to take that too literally. You are a miracle. Uh, he's talking about you are a creation of God. And you are capable of creating in the likeness of your creator. This has nothing to do with the world. This is not talking about the dream. There is no creation here. Jesus says there's no life outside heaven. Anything here is a parody of life. It's a desert. Um, so Jesus is saying, you are a miracle creating in the likeness of your creator. That is your reality in heaven that you have never left. But it's got nothing to do with you going in and starting to create in the world or the dream. Everything else is your own nightmare. This whole world, your own nightmare. And it does not exist. Only the creation of light are real. So 
only God and his extension of himself and his extensions of himself extending him. That's what's going on. That's what's true. That's what's right. Everything else is a smokescreen against that. The world is a smokescreen against the sin, guilt and fear. So we made up the world to hide the sin, guilt and fear in our mind. And we made up the sin, guilt and fear to hide from the memory of heaven. The creations of light. That's a whole lot to throw at you there <laughs> on Miracle Principle number 24. Uh, if you think changing the world is important, you're insane. Um, the, the purpose the world was created for was to be a smokescreen. One gigantic big smokescreen to cover up the fact that all the evil things you see out there is what you think about yourself. Um, that was it's what I was created for. Now the Holy Spirit uh, wants to use it as a classroom where he goes, the guilt you're seeing in this, the culpability you're seeing in this, the wrongness you're seeing in this, that's what you feel about yourself. Take it back. Undo projection. Okay. So the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to go trying to change the world. The Holy Spirit wants us to change its purpose. Rather than keeping the sin away from me, keeping the guilt away from me, now I'm going, that's the smokescreen against what I believe in myself. Let me ask for that to be undone. And when it's undone, I look on a forgiven world. So the world becomes a classroom. We made it as a prison. And to keep ourselves mindless and to keep seeing everyone else's evil apart from ourselves. And to, and to actually go through our entire life going, this is the problem. The politicians are the problem. My boss is the problem. My body is the problem. Other people's body is the problem. Sickness is the problem. COVID-19 is the problem. The vaccinations are the problem. The doctors are the problem. <laughs> and, and all these problems are to cover up the problem that my sin, guilt, and fear that I don't want to look at, and this is distracting it for me. And the sin, guilt, and fear was just made up so I wouldn't look at the love in my mind. So that's what's going on. All right. <laughs> Bring it on. What, what do you want to ask me about that? <laughs> Where should we go first, Eli? There is a question that we should start with. Came okay. Before Freddie had put his hand up. So let's start with that question. It's from Sharon. Why would we dream of Kenneth Wapnick and the course? I think she she had put that up when you were talking just how you were, how we created all this crap so we can throw it on somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. When we wrote a movie, um, which basically everything is simply a way of covering up guilt. Every murder, every atrocity, every war. So we wrote the whole thing because, you know, that's going to be the problem. I'm not the problem. Uh, the sin is not in me, it's out there, it's in them. But there's, there's nobody out there, right? So we did that. And then, um, and and so that's why, you know, Jesus repeatedly in the Course says this world was over long ago. It seems like you're making decisions now for the first time, but you're not. Uh, the whole thing is written. Um, and so for every single um, symbol we put there, 
um, which was to cover up guilt, um, the Holy Spirit gave an answer. So now we come into um, the very controversial issue of, um, of two movie libraries, two scripts, okay? Now, it's very important to understand that the two scripts are not um, different events per se. It is different ways of looking at events and a different purpose for events. And it is turning separate interests into shared interests. Um, and so what I would say is that everything that's happening here is, is the atonement. Um, for everything that happens to us, there are two ways we can approach that. Uh, we can have it cement separateness and separate interests, or we can have it undo that and, um, and have the correction express itself as shared interests in the situation where it's not one or the other. It's not the ego thought system. It's one and the other. Um, and so this entire world, really, because there's no people, there's just thoughts. <laughs> and we're all just thoughts resolving each other in the mind. You know, Ramdas says we're all just walking each other home. And literally, we're all just waking each other up. We're all just screens for each other onto which we can project our guilt um, but now that unconscious guilt is actually, it's actually available to us to undo. That's why our brother is our savior, because we will project all of our guilt onto him, which was unconscious and couldn't be touched. But now it can be seen. It's shining in my brother where I can take it back into myself again and have it undone because there's no such thing as guilt. We made it up. And so everything that's happening is the atonement. And part of the atonement is A Course in Miracles. Part of the atonement is Buddhism. Part of the atonement is Christianity. Part of the atonement is, it's all part of the atonement. All things work together for good except the egoist judgments. What could you not accept um, if you but knew that all things past, present, and to come are gently planned by one whose only interest is your good? And so the thing is, if I look on the world from wrong-minded consciousness, which is from the belief that separateness is real, and I'm a me, I'm a separate self, I'm an insane voice talking to itself, a private mind, a personal mind, a body. If it, So if I'm in wrong-minded consciousness, um, then the world is perfect because it is a perfect smokescreen for guilt. I can see it outside myself and go, that's, that's where it is. Uh, but if I switch to right-minded consciousness, which is the Holy Spirit, um, then suddenly the world is a perfect classroom because instantly everywhere I'm seeing guilt in the world is mine and I can undo it. Um, and what's more, when, when we learn to forgive and when we learn to step out of identifying as the separate thing and when we step back into that non-judgmental observer we are in the holy spirit um if you like we have turned our back on the world and said right that's that's nothing to do with me um and i've come back up above the battleground um and i've remembered what i am and now i look back towards the world now there is a spiritual intelligence can operate through my body which can bless the world it's not keith it's got nothing to do with Keith. 
um but it is the holy spirit and it is um and it will be the atonement it will be the the plan of salvation and um and and i get to to bless the dream and you know of course miracles is one of those one of those blessings where it can make a substantive difference um so yeah i hope that makes sense we're all just thoughts working each other out <laughs> resolving the conflicts um to go back and remember we're the dreamer of the dream thank um, you okay so um okay go to freddie yes freddie is next you're up freddie be gentle with me <laughs> okay i tend to take it somewhat personally this this uh, dream mm -hmm. and knowing that there really isn't the personal self mm -hmm. it kind of makes more sense to me to see the the dream as mm -hmm. as a collective dream which is a collective dream of all the sonship you know mm -hmm. when i look at the horrors in the world i don't i tend I've tended, because of the language that is being used, like you say, guilt that you see in the world is your guilt, right? Mm -hmm. It may be, maybe that that is the case if we're all one mind, that it is my guilt. But I see that the guilt in the world is a collective dream of guilt and sin. And that kind of makes it easier for me to swallow that, to accept that. Rather it's than both. It's, rather than it's my personal dream of, yeah. of guilt, guilt, sin and fear. Well, th th there's really, there's two dimensions to this. On the one hand, um, there is the world, which is already written, all right? Um, and then there is, um, when you identify as a personal self, uh, you make a self for yourself. The self that's not the, the son of God and the nothing it says or does means anything. You have now made a self for yourself and you will now look at the movie and you will work out uh, a dream. You will work out stories about all the movie characters. And you're going to look at, you know, your neighbours and you are going to have stories in your mind about who they are and what they are and what they're about and whether they're good or whether they're bad. And you're and the person next door to you is going to look at the same neighbors and see them completely different. He is not going to see the same thing at all that you look at when you see your neighbors. So this is a bit like Russian dolls. OK, in the sense that. So, yes, there is this one dreamer of the dream. But all the individual dream figures are now having their own dream within the dream. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. So it's a collective dream. Um, which which the movie is. The movie of the world that was over long ago. Yes, that, that, that's, a, that's a done deal. So that, but again, it's not a collective dream because it was dreamed by one split mind. Okay. But within but the that, dream. But wasn't that before the, the split mind split into the billions of exactly sun. that's why that's why it's one mind so rather than the collective well, well we could say from this perspective that that it's a collective dream in the sense that we all are that one split mind yeah. fragments yeah. of it 
uh, but holographic fragments of it. So we could say in that sense, it's a collective dream. But I, I think the point is that once we misidentify as a body and a separate self, and we make a self up for ourselves, now we actually, because again, uh, Jesus says, you know, the world, um, the world I see means nothing at all. Nothing I see means anything at all, right? Because once it was made, it was neutral. It's not good or bad or right or wrong or anything. It's just a movie. But now what I will do is I will actually write my script. That neighbor's a bad person. I know that <laughs> this neighbor is a good guy because uh, he talked nice to me. And so I now have my dream within the dream. And, and that's why Jesus does talk about um, uh, separate worlds, private worlds. Um, and where, you know, sin is never seen in the same place by by any fragment. No two people see sin the same way. Mm. You know, I, I could be appalled by something. I think it's the worst thing imaginable. And I would talk to my friends about it and they'd go, ah, yeah, but you, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, how can you say that? Like, oh, my God. And so nobody sees sin in the same way. So these are the private worlds Jesus is talking about, which is just the you know, the figures in the dream having their own dreams. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think because there are so many of us seeming separated sons that we all must be having our own dream. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. that's why I call it a collective dream. Yeah. Fair I much. know that the, the, the dream began with the, with the first split from heaven. There's, yeah, there's two dreams. Right. Okay, so yeah. there's the there's the secret dream, um, which we don't know about down here, which is the belief in sin, guilt and fear that we did do this to God, that we're guilty and that he's coming to get us. So we don't want to look at that at all. And then what we do is we make up the world's dream in order to get away from that. So that's the two dreams, the secret dream and the world dream. But then even within the world's dream, each apparently separate self is dreaming their own interpretation of the dream. So that's kind of like the Russian doll situation. I just didn't want to take on on too much personal uh, personal responsibility for for what I perceive as a collective dream. I mm -hmm. didn't want to completely own it myself, partly because of the fact there is no separate self, me, Freddie, the dream figure, and it doesn't make sense to me as the separated dream figure, or even as my, as my mind, my, my mind, my position of awareness, which is aware of the dream, doesn't make sense to not see it as a collective, collective responsibility, the, the appearance of the dream in the world. See, you have to be careful with that, because what you're doing is, on some level, you're saying, it's monstrous and it's appalling and I'm not taking on the responsibility for it. Now, there's your error straight away. It is nothing. The world I see means nothing, right? I have given it all the meaning it has for me. So the problem is not what's happening in the movie. The problem is you think it's appalling. Mm. And the appallingness you see in the movie is the appallingness you don't want to look at in yourself. Remember, we want the world to be real, so it's not in us. Okay, so so this is an entire course where you look on the world and and you have feelings about it. You have judgments about it and that you understand this is a classroom. 
Okay, I'm, I'm seeing the guilt, which is in me. I, I've denied it, I split it off, I projected it out into a non-existent world and I went, you're the problem. Uh, so you need to look at the fact that you're looking at the world and going, it's monstrous and it's appalling. Um, and we're all collectively responsible for it and it's bad. No, 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 no. What all you want to do is notice that you are seeing guilt and you are seeing cause in the world and understand now. This is where I do the miracle. This is where I look at the forgiveness because the guilt I am seeing out there is my own. Because there's no world out there. Does that make sense? That's where you can easily go off track here where you're saying, but the world is awful. The world is evil and someone's responsible for yeah. it and I don't want it to be me. So you, you'll go off track straight away on that one because the world is neutral. You must understand the world is neutral. That's why Jesus says, you know, if you could just accept that the world doesn't mean anything, um, that it has no meaning, and let the meaning be written on it for you, you would be indescribably happy. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's you're, you're putting a meaning on the world. Yeah, it's a process with me. Of course. The more I come to the the, the, the groups, the more understanding I Yeah, I think like us all. Have, yeah. Yeah, discover. like us all. Like us all, yeah. Freddie. So, so just, just bear that in mind is that the world is not awful. The world is not horrific. Um, you are projecting uh, that meaning onto something that doesn't mean anything in order to be free of it yourself. And the miracle is where you take it back. So you can look on a forgiven world and go, again, let's go back to our quote here, right? Um Awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. They watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die, yet they are not deceived by what they see. It's going to be a very big shift, a, a giant step or a giant leap to actually get to the point where I don't believe the, in the, the, the world as a real, a real experience. Yeah, but you're not asked to deny your experience of the world, right? You're not asked to do that. You're only asked to change its purpose. And, and, and that means that you're changing it from the belief that it is this awful, evil prison, awful place out there. And you change your teachers and you understand now it's a classroom. What I'm seeing in the world is what I don't want to look at in myself. So you're not trying to make the world disappear. You're not trying to, you know, go, there's no world or anything like that. Um, no. Not as Freddy. That's useless for me to do that as Keith. I have to, you know, for me to have that experience, I have to have an experience of the holy instant where I step out of identification as Keith. Um, but in the meantime, all you're asked to do is change the purpose the world has. And that's going to undo the blocks to the awareness of love's presence in your mind so you can access that love much more easily in lots more situations and have much more holy instance. Mm. Well, thank but you. again, yeah, so it's about you seeing the awfulness out there and going, okay, that's a projection of the awfulness in me. So let's fix this. Let's ask for it to be undone by not blaming the world, by having me be totally peaceful, because what does it have to do with me? What does what's happening in the world have to do with my peace of mind? Nothing. And so I ask it to be removed so I can look in the world and be peaceful. But at the same time, I don't think I want to take it too personally because there is no personal me. There's there's my awareness the part of my mind which is connected with god what you have that, a split mind that, i don't even think that's personal the personal 
is is the protect is the is the 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 the, the figure in the dream. Yeah, That's but you, 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 the the course is not asking you to delete yourself. Um, it's not well, asking I you to undo yourself. Yeah. So so what it's asking us to do is to let go of our identification as an ego, sure. a wrong mind, but 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 experience ourselves as a right mind. Yeah. You see what I mean by that is yeah. you do keep asserting that there is no Keith, there is no Freddie. I don't I don't take that as deleting myself. I take that as identifying with the true part of my mind, which is the right minded the, part, yes. Yeah, which is the awareness. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but again, you you do have a split mind, which is going to make you keep identifying as Freddie. Yeah, I understand that. Okay, yeah. and the reason for that is that the guilt will become evident in your mind and you'll go out into the world to be protected from it. Um, so, so really, the only thing we want to do with the world is allow the world to bring us back into our mind where we can undo the guilt that we're seeing in the world. But ultimately, you're saying there is no Freddie. You're, yeah, saying, there mean... is, you're saying yeah. there is no world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, however, I'm not saying there's no you. No, but I, I, what I know as myself is not the dream figure. It's the part of my mind which is projecting the dream figure and projecting the whole dream. That's your right mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So again, people get confused about this when they go, but but there is no Keith. It's like, yeah, but I've never been Keith. Keith, Keith is just a manufactured story. Um, so so I'm not the wrong mind, but that doesn't mean I don't exist. I am the right mind. And so the decision maker joined with the Holy Spirit is a non-judgmental observer, which is a pure awareness. And within that awareness burns the memory of heaven, where there is a peace and a joy and a love. Um and, and that's what we discover when we disidentify as the person and fall back into identification as awareness, the right mind. So again, if anyone's listening, I don't want anyone to have the idea that we're saying, you know, you don't exist. Of course you exist. What God creates is eternal, unchanging, absolute and unassailable. Uh, you're just not what you think you are. And yeah, that when you're ready, you can you, you can choose you, against that allegiance. You said God doesn't didn't create bodies. Correct. <laughs> So in, on one hand, you're saying that uh, it seems like you're saying you do exist as a figure in the dream, where on, on the other hand, you're, you're saying, well, that's not, that's not real. That's just, a, that's just um, a projection, a projection, the figure in the dream. I, I'm, I'm happy to accept the figure in the dream isn't real um, and, and try to go to that level of understanding where i can i can see that it's all uh, a projection mm -hmm. yeah you've got to use okay. the language and say well i understand that i don't really exist if if we know you should be very careful no you should be no, very careful about saying i don't exist uh, freddie doesn't exist but you're not freddie no exactly so if we're going to try and get this up to understanding more from a level one absolute level We've got to accept that the, the figure in the dream is only an illusion. I'm trying to talk your language. No, no, but uh, so I, don't, I just want to make a distinction here. It's we want to be, we never want to say I don't exist. 
or uh, my brother doesn't exist. That's not what Look, we do. You keep saying that, Keith. You say that you don't exist. You say the world doesn't exist. No, listen, I said Keith doesn't exist. Yeah, that's right. There is only a misidentification with Keith. But what I am that's 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 identifying with Keith, right? That's the decision maker. That's not Keith. So we're I'm, saying Keith doesn't exist. That does not mean I don't exist. I'm using the same uh, language to describe the way I'm feeling about it myself. When I say that the figure in the dream doesn't exist, it doesn't mean that I don't exist. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm using the language that you use to just repeat back to you to, to let you know that I understand what you're talking about. Perfect. Yeah, but and the only distinction I wanted to make was we don't say I don't exist. We say Freddie doesn't exist, but we don't say exactly. I don't exist. So that's the only thing we wanted to clarify. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Where shall we go next, Eli? Okay. Uh, Leo, if you'd like to unmute yourself, you can go ahead. I always love to unmute myself. Thank you so much, Go Eli. For it, Leo. Now, um, my question, and I guess it's just, I just wanted to verify something. So if someone is involved in, um, let's say, uh, a healing profession, uh, internally, they'll just experience it I don't know. They'll just show up with love and, and seeing the wholeness of the other person. Um, but it's not wrong to do that. Just like it's not wrong to repair a car or, you know, wait tables or be a scenic designer in a theater. It's all different levels of magic and it's all equal there's nothing wrong with being a so-called healer if that is like apparently that's no longer my calling and i'm delighted i'd much rather just have fun with people than like you know but maybe it will be healing i assume but okay, anyway no. so just on that point i mean jesus question. is very clear um, in chapter two that healing is not a sin and that you know if fear is present in the slightest then we shouldn't be afraid to use magic okay and all he asks us to do is to choose the miracle alongside the magic so we are with him in our mind above the battleground and we're looking at um a movie of a body that is sick and that is taking medicine and that will get better or won't. And we know with him that the whole thing is made up. All right. So that's it's how okay. we choose the miracle. It's okay to be a magician. Yeah, but we're all magicians. Like if you take a breath, you're a magician. Right. Exactly. That's what I wanted to just verify yeah. that. Because yeah, so you just can't, you can't stop magic. You can't stop magic. Right. Because okay, ma ma yeah, magic says the problems in the world, and that's where it needs to be fixed instead of in my mind. Okay. So, you know, me having, yeah, you know, no, I'm I, hungry. I, I'm hungry. So I got to eat. Well, that's magic. I, you know, need a breath. That's magic. And um, so there's no getting away from magic. So magic is not something that's awful or evil or anything else, but the miracle looks on, you know, it, it, it reminds the mind that it dreams a dream and its content is not true. What I am is not what needs a breath. What I am is not what gets hungry. What I am, you know, with Jesus is not what gets sick. What I am with Jesus is not the body. Um, and in the same way, if I'm a doctor, then I know that of myself and I know that of my patient. My, the changelessness in me sees the changelessness in my patient. So the patient's body might die or not, but I know the patient is Christ. 
And that's healing. That's joining because we're not separate. So Jesus says that all, all sickness is um, the idea of separateness and guilt and that healing is joining. Now, joining means I know what I am and I see it in you. And we're not separate, we're one. So that's so ideally speaking, if a doctor is very far advanced as a teacher of God, the doctor would simply see the indestructibility and the holiness uh, within all of his patients, uh, regardless of what's going to happen with his body. Does that make sense? Yes, that's super helpful. I guess I needed to hear that again. Um, thank you so much. I had another dream three nights ago in which I, I wanted to express how much I loved Keith Kavanaugh. Now, I guess that's the Christ in Keith Kavanaugh. And in the dream, I was like shy about expressing it. So I am expressing it. I love you. Uh, <laughs> you know, my, my brother, Keith. Um, thank you, everybody. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Lael. And again, the the way in which the doctor practices medicine will become an expression of the love in his mind. So that there is this love, and it will it will merely take shape around the requirements of the moment, which could be resuscitation, which could be holding someone's hand, which could be administering medicine, whatever it is. That's just the way love is taking shape within the dream. Um, so, so again, there's, you know, we, we can't get away from magic and love will take shape within the dream as required. Um, but the miracle reminds me that none of this is true. There's nobody here dying. There's nobody here sick. There's nobody here that needs to be fixed or anything like that. Um, so I, I live my life normally and I do the magic that everyone else is doing, but in my mind, I'm with Jesus knowing this is all made up. Um, and if I'm seeing guilt in anything, it's my own. And I get a chance to take it back and have it removed from myself and look again at the world and see it innocent and whole and not sick. So that's that does thing. that does sound like a party, doesn't it? Thank you it so does. much. No problem. <laughs> Where should we go next, Eli? Keith, I thought maybe we could ask Donna if she'd like to unmute herself and ask her question that she had asked before the recording started. Donna, if, would, if Donna like would like to do that, if Donna would like to do that, yes. Hello, I just, I, yeah, I've no problem doing that. I just can't turn on my um, video at the moment. We'll forgive um, you. We'll forgive you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I suppose my question was around, you know, I have found with doing the coursework, um, doing some trauma healing, you know, around childhood very helpful and um you know i suppose you know we learn that our childhood experiences can color our world um so my my question was i wanted to know um keith's kind of perception around that in relation to the course because i only found him recently and I do feel it's because maybe my awareness is getting a little bit better. Um, and I have found doing the forgiveness work that you're teaching very quick. Um, and I just feel my awareness is getting much improved, if you know what I mean. It's very hard to put it into language because it's very oh, hard good. to describe awareness, as you know. Yeah. Um, so, so you would like to know how we would see childhood trauma and um, and how we would go about working with that following Jesus's course. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. Good question. Good question. Um, 
the first thing, the first thing when pain is present, I say to myself, the first thing, right? The first thing is I am never, ever, 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 ever upset for the reason I think. Why am I not upset for the reason I think? Because I made up the reason I think I'm upset. So I wouldn't have to look at the real reason I'm upset. So if mm. I've been abused as a child, that's the smoke screen. That's what was made up. So I did not have to look at the fact that that pain was already inside of me. Okay. I'm not a body. I'm a mind. Okay. And the world was made up to keep me as a mind from looking at the pain and the guilt and the self-hatred and the self-loathing that is inside of me because of the separateness, the belief in separateness. And so a world was made up where there's abusers and victimizers and horrors, awful things that are happening and everything else. And we look at the world and go, that's the problem. That's what did it. That's the reason for the unhappiness. That's why I have fear. Um, and so, it, and, and this just applies to absolutely everything in life. Whenever you become upset, you become anxious, you become angry, you become affronted, um, you have trauma. The first thing, the first thing, do nothing until you understand. I am not upset for the reason I think that's the smokescreen. That's the second part of the shield of oblivion, the world. And so I am not upset because I was victimized when I was younger. I'm upset because I'm identified with the ego and not the Holy Spirit. And the guilt and the, 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 the self-hatred and the discomfort and the whole thing is appalling. It's absolutely appalling. And I deny it and I split it off and I project it out and I make a world that's going to victimize me and I'll go, that's where the victimizing is. That's what deserves to be hated. It's not me. So that's what our forgiveness process is about. We, we come back out from the world. We, we say to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I'm not upset for the reason I think I accept that. This is what was already inside of me and the world was made up so I wouldn't clear it. I would never have to look at it. I couldn't have it undone. And so our first forgiveness step is that we unwind projections. I am not upset because of what someone did to me when I was younger. I'm upset because I am identified as an ego and now I'm projecting that into a non-existent past and go, that's the problem. It is the world is the problem. What the world did to me is the problem. It is not what I'm doing with my mind. So our first forgiveness step is I unwind projection. I step you know, I, I, I cast aside the, the second of the shields of oblivion, which is the world, and go, the world did not do this to me. What I'm experiencing is my guilt. And I made up a world not to look at it in myself. But if I look at it in myself, it's going to be removed because it's not real, because I made up the guilt as well. So the Holy Spirit can remove that. And that is going to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence in my mind. That's what's going to return me, return God to my awareness. So it doesn't matter what the world appears to have done to us. What we do is we deny the first, the second of the shields of oblivion. We say, I'm not, there's no cause in the world. 
the world isn't causing anything. I made the world to cover up the real cause, which is my guilt over my separateness, but I don't have to stay separate. So I'm not upset because of something that happened to me in the past. I'm upset because I have thrown the Holy Spirit out of my mind. I'm not identified as a non-judgmental observer in the Holy Spirit. I'm identified as a body in the world and an insane voice talking to itself, feeling awful about itself and trying to blame the world for it. So, so that's our first step. And that's why it's important to understand the metaphysics here. The world is the smoke screen. It's the made up thing that keeps me from looking at the guilt. And if I look at the guilt, the guilt is also made up. It was just a smoke screen against the love. And so in very real terms, what we do is we join with Jesus above the battleground and we look at the emotions and the feelings, the fear and the guilt and everything else that's happening. And we don't project it. We don't say the world did this to me. It was what was already inside of me and the reason the world did what it did. So I look at the feelings coming up and I do not say it's because of the world. I say it's because I'm choosing to be separate. So that's our first step. And then what we do is we join with the Holy Spirit and we look at what the real problem is, which is separateness identifying as a separate self. So I'm never upset for the reason I think. Um, I'm upset because I'm identified as an ego and not as a non-judgmental observer in the Holy Spirit. So what do I do? I join the Holy Spirit as a non-judgmental observer and look at my ego. I look at the feelings coming up and I go, that's there because I'm identified as a separate self. But now I'm not separate, I'm with Jesus. And if I look and wait and judge not, at some point, my fear is of not being a separate self is going to drop. And I'm going to connect as what's with Jesus above the battleground. And the minute I do that, healing happens. Now, as you're practicing the course in the beginning, that looking, waiting and judging not is going to feel much more gradual. We could be looking and, you know, not judging. We could be doing that for weeks. Um, I certainly did with my anxiety in the beginning. Um, but as you practice, you understand that the minute you touch out of identification as the separate thing and into the awareness of the non-judgmental observer I am with Jesus, um, then it's just gone. Um, so it's extraordinary how quick it can become, but I, I don't want to make it seem like you just do this and that happens straight away and like, you know, years of trauma over abuse is gone. I, I don't want to minimize that. But but what I am saying is that um, the reason there is upset and discomfort and everything else is because I'm identified as a separate thing. And I've projected that. I've, I've denied it. I've split it off. I've projected it out. I made up a world and went, that's the problem. And the miracle retraces my steps into madness as jesus says it brings me back out of the world and goes actually the problem is the sin guilt and fear in my mind and then the holy spirit says you know actually that's not real either <laughs> so that's god and here's love in your mind instead of all that so that's our process with forgiveness but the key thing so this is not me saying that you deny your emotions that you deny your fear this is not what we're saying this is not a course in um spiritual bypassing 
Okay, this is not a, a course of hiding out in the light and the denying the darkness. This is this is a course where you go back into the light where Jesus is and you look on the darkness. You allow the darkness to roar and to rage inside of you. The pain and the hurt and the desire to blame and the oh, all of it. Uh, you sit with it, but you don't sit with it on your own. You sit with it with that loving, non-judgmental presence of Jesus beside you. And at some point in time, you will you will merge into that presence with Jesus. Um, you look, you wait, you judge yourself. Not at some point, you will slip into being what is forgiving the ego and not the ego. And when you do, whatever guilt is there is gone. Um, now, on that, and this is... It's just it just gets over and over again. I just see how important this is. Um, the big mistake is that I'm feeling pain and trauma and hurt. And then I go, OK, what do I do? What do I do? How, how do I do forgiveness? And then I try to fight it. I go, now I need to go to Jesus and, you know, I need to try and take my mind off this. Wrong, 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 wrong. OK, so I do understand. First thing is. um. I'm never upset for the reason I think, right? So I, I I undo the belief that the world is the cause of anything. And I understand this is inside of me because I'm choosing to be a separate thing. And now the next thing I do, the next thing I do is I completely forgive myself for identifying as the separate thing. Never, ever, ever, ever fight yourself. It's the worst thing you can do. It's what people do all the time in the group and they go, I'm stuck in forgiveness and I can't get past it and I, I don't know how and the, the, the awfulness won't go away. You're fighting the darkness. Do not fight the darkness. You're fighting your decision to be the separate thing. You can't do that as the separate thing. It just locks you more into being the separate thing. You have to do the one thing that a separate thing can't do and that is not judge. So what you do is you say, well, the only reason I'm upset is because I'm identifying as this this Keith, this set of stories, uh, this this body in the world. That's the only reason I'm upset. And what you do is you look at the fact that that's why you're upset and you completely forgive yourself. You join with Jesus, feel his forgiveness, join with him in the forgiveness of yourself that, you know, so complete non-judgment of the fact that you are now choosing to be the separate thing. The guilt in it is awful and you're trying to project it out. You, you forgive yourself and you feel that forgiveness. That's what you do. Completely feel that forgiveness. And now, now a completely different consciousness has arisen inside of you. Now, non-judgment is available to you and experiencing your mind. Now there is the darkness and there's the light. Is the darkness of guilt and judgment, and there is the light of complete non-judgment. That is so, so, so crucial. You know, if you're taking any notes today, just underline that 50 times, you know, tear a hole in the page. You know, okay, the first thing is I'm never upset for the reason I think I am. The second reason is I'm upset because I'm identifying as the illusion. And now what I have to do the second thing that's so important, I have to completely forgive the fact that I'm identifying as the ego. That's the only thing that will take me out of being an ego. I have to do the one thing an ego can't do, which is not judge. And so what I do is I fall back and I look at the fact with Jesus that, yes, I'm choosing to be this lowest aspect of myself. 
the ego is the lowest aspect of what I am. It is such a tiny part of what I actually am. Again, this is not a course in deleting yourself or saying you don't exist. It's understanding you're not the ego. All your problems are because you think you're the ego. And it's a decision you're making and you can decide against it. But the first thing you've got to do is look at the error, which is the fact that the reason you're unhappy is because you're choosing to be the separate thing, the person. And then you completely forgive it. You look at it with complete non-judgment. You connect with Jesus as a thought of perfect love in your mind. And now this new dimension of consciousness is available to you in your mind. This is your wrong mind and your right mind. You cannot have access to your right mind by fighting your wrong mind. You can only ignite your awareness of your right mind by looking at your decision for the ego without judging it, without making a big deal out of it. Now there is these two identities in my mind. You know, there's the upset that's raging and there's the me that's not judging it. And as Jesus says in the course, they cannot coexist. So guilt and judgment and pain cannot coexist with non-judgment. So that's, that's all I want to do. I want to look at the fact that I am the cause of all my problems by identifying as the separate thing. And I want to completely forgive myself for that. It's just fear of not being the separate thing. And that has the Holy Spirit blazing in my mind as that forgiveness. So that's so essential. So, so, so essential. And then you just, you look, wait, and judge yourself not for choosing to be the separate thing. And at some point, your fear will drop and you'll just identify with the forgiveness in your mind instead of the guilt and the pain. And when you do, all the guilt and the pain is gone. But you want to have infinite patience for yourself with that. So I hope that makes sense. Um, so Eli, we have Jennifer and Lois. Would that be the everything else that we need? We have a quite a, quite a few questions that have been waiting in the chat. So okay, well, let's do the chat questions. Let's do Jennifer and Lois, and let's draw a line under it just so we don't go mad late. <laughs> okay, here we go. So this is from Joan. She says, okay. Keith, since the dreamer of the dream dreamt of this world with fear and guilt oh sorry how can we trust anyone the question is how do i trust egos okay so what it means is you've identified as an ego you've identified as a separate self and you're going how do i trust other separate selves Okay, and egos don't trust anyone because they can't trust themselves. Uh, instead, what you want to do is fall back from your identification as an ego. And then what you are is what everyone else is. So this is from chapter nine. Um, the acceptance of the atonement, paragraph two. To the ego, it is right and kind and good to point out errors and correct them. This makes perfect sense to the ego, which is unaware of what errors are and what correction is. Errors are of the ego, and correction of errors lies in the relinquishment of the ego. Again, I've got to let go of my ego. When you correct a brother, you are telling him he is wrong. He may be making no sense at the time, and it is certain if he is speaking from ego that he will not be making sense, or maybe not be trustworthy. But your task is to still tell him he's right. 
You do not tell him this verbally if he's speaking foolishly. He needs correction at another level because his error is at another level. He is still right because he is a son of God. His ego is always wrong, no matter what it is. So if I'm identified as Keith, the insane voice talking to itself, I'm wrong about everything. And anyone around you who's identified an ego is wrong about everything. But you don't stop there. What you've got to do is fall back into what you are. And then you look at your brothers and you don't stop at what their egos are doing. Of course, it's wrong. Everything is wrong. <laughs> you, you look behind it to what is right in them, which is the awareness, which is what they are with Jesus above the battleground. So you fall back and you realize what you, you remember what you are, which is not the crazy voice in your head that's wrong about everything. And then you look past the crazy voice in your brother's mind and see the, see the truth. And so all you want to do is undo your judgment. All you want to do is stop seeing them as wrong. All you want to do is stop seeing yourself as vulnerable to your brother. You know, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. Again, as long as you're identified as an insane voice talking to itself, you're going to be constantly defending yourself, going, who can I trust? Who can I not? Who's going to help me? Who's going to be useful? Who's not? Um, so that's that's the defenses, okay? But it's in my defenselessness, my safety lies. What does it have to do with the me that's with Jesus if I fall back from being the sacred self? Well, from there, I can just see the light in my brother, no matter what his ego is doing. Because... There's no egos. There's just the light of Christ behind the illusion of people and what they're doing and saying. That's what we want to be able to do. We've got to find that in ourselves and see it in our brother. So I hope that makes sense. What's next, Eli? Okay, it's Jane, and she says, can we say that people whose lives are charmed with health, wealth, success, amazing relationships, and recognition of their creation creativity that their dreams are not purposive if i'm saying that word right as they are so reinforcing to the illusion you're assuming everyone's perception of things is the same um you're assuming okay so there's there's just the one dream okay but you're assuming that we all interpret the dream the same way and we don't you know um you know, because there's lots of people in the world who would consider themselves incredibly lucky and fortunate to have 100,000 euros in, uh, or dollars in the bank. And there are those in the world that would consider that bankruptcy. So um, you, you can't, um, based on the meaning, all the meaning you have given to the meaningless world, assume that that's the meaning everyone else gives to it. So what causes, what would cause, you know, great delight for you could be a source of suffering to someone else. Uh, and what's a source of suffering for you could be a source of delight for someone else. So we, we can never look at someone else's dream and say, well, I know what that means. As Jesus says, there's nothing as blinding as perception of form. Um, so I, that kind of makes it a slightly moot point um, in the sense that, it assumes that, like, you know, wealthy people are happy. That's not true at all. Um, if you're identified as an ego, you are unhappy. That's guaranteed. Um, and if you're happy, it just means you found someone else to blame. So I, I wouldn't equate um, things like, you know, wealth or anything like that with how happy someone is. Um, that would be a mistake. Okay, so what should we go next? Like? 
Jennifer, you can go ahead. And so we'll do Jennifer and then Lois and that, that'll be that. Very good. Jennifer, the stage is yours. Hi, Keith. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Okay. My question is about creation and kind of uh, like, okay, I hear that after this, we get shown all of our incarnations, maybe we get shown all these people that we once were. Um, but I am wondering just about creation and are we, if we are in our right minds down here, are we creating anything? I'm told like afterwards we might be shown our lives in retrospect and everything, including our creations on earth. And I just thought, wait, we're not create. Are we creating here? No. So no. creation is heaven. Creation's in heaven. And it is God extending himself um, as his creations and his creations extending God. So, so when just, we're, but when we are extending God's love. No. Then... So G Jesus talks about creation in the course and he doesn't do it so we can understand creation because he tells us over and over again that we can't understand creation because creation is not happening within time and space. So nothing is getting bigger or nothing is taking up a, a bigger space, or the, and there's only one in heaven, there's only oneness, okay? So it's not like another is ever getting created. And so Jesus is saying, you know, um, you, you don't want to, um, you don't want to try and, you know, he calls them senseless musings, um, where we would think about what heaven is like and go and, and sort of input and create it in Earth's image in some way. Um, so he's going, don't do that, right? I'm talking to you about creation and I want you to understand that creation is extension. I want you to understand that God extends himself uh, to his creations and his creations extend God. So there's just this oneness extending itself. I want you to understand. That's all I want you to understand. You can't understand anything more than that. And then he says, now I want you to reflect that in the dream. Okay. And the way we reflect that in the dream is that we extend the Holy Spirit. We fall back and remember what we are. That's not a body or an insane voice talking to itself. And having done that, we now see what we are in our brother we're looking beyond the movie of him being sick or unhappy or with problems and what we're doing we're firmly focused on the holy spirit in him the holy spirit in me sees the holy spirit in him that's extension within the dream right it's the extension of the holy spirit um and you know and and the love that we have in our mind when we connect with the holy spirit that will extend itself through us in accordance with the needs of the moment whether that's holding someone's hand or helping someone with money or doing something for someone so that's extension right uh but this is not creation okay so the extension within the dream is the reflection of heaven and that's what jesus wants us to do down here yes all this is made up but that's not enough to get us home what we have to do is reflect uh the laws of heaven down here in the dream okay so when we're in our right mind we're not going to experience heaven yet it's just the reflection of heaven is that right it's the memory of heaven the memory of heaven memory so of heaven. If we're in our right mind here, that's not our highest goal. It's it's uh... no, it is our highest goal. It's all we're asked to do because then Jesus says God himself. Now, OK, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, and he's sort of, um, you know, speaking sort of um, mythologically here. But what he's saying is all you have to do is be right minded. OK, um, mm -hmm. and do that so that it undoes your wrong mind, which is your investment in the separate self. OK, and you this pure awareness and, you know, love, peace and joy just extends through you and sees itself everywhere. And, he's, and that's all you're asked to do. And then what he says is God himself will reach down and 
bring you back up into himself. As Jesus says in the course, the son has disappeared into the father and the father has disappeared into the son. It's the restoration of oneness. But we don't choose that, right? That that happens at, on the very last rung of the ladder. So A Course in Miracles is not about waking up in heaven. A Course in Miracles is about having a happy dream. And the way we have a happy dream is by reflecting heaven's laws here. Okay, the heaven's laws are not here, but we want to reflect them here. Creation is not here, but we want to reflect creation here. Does that make sense? I feel you. Thank you. Good. Also, just in terms of the whole past lives thing, um, within the dream that might happen. But let's not forget that's a dream because, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, the, the question isn't have you had past lives? Like you're not even having this one. Yeah. 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 So, that's so all the, in the awareness, dream. yeah, because the awareness in your mind isn't a body now. Your right mind doesn't have a body and has never been in a body. Um, so it's really just a wrong mind that's going through an incarnation whole like process. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, just to make that point. So shall we go to Lois then, Eli? Yes. Lois, you're next. You're up, Lois. Hi. Hi. I just want to thank you, Keith, and everybody. Um, and um, I have a funny story to tell. I go ahead. You want to hear it. <laughs> we definitely um, do. Okay, so I'm up in North Carolina where we have a summer home. And this is my first time coming up just by myself. Yeah. And everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Two different oh. leaks. The hot water heater didn't work. But I have wonderful neighbors who were working on the hot water heater. We have a storage shed in the back. I was in there all day looking around saying, oh, my God, we got to get rid I got to get rid of all this stuff. And my friends were working on the hot water heater saying, well, we just probably need to buy elements for the hot water heater instead of having to spend $600 to buy, to get it replaced. Anyway, in the morning I was in the shed and I saw these two silver things that I had no idea what they were. <laughs> and this is so weird. They were just never there. They were just all of a sudden in my view. As my friend was leaving to go to the store to buy new elements for me, he had the rusted out elements in his hands. And wouldn't you know it, I walk out and I said, are these, are these for the hot water heater? And he said, yes. <laughs> and it was like, oh, I have an ego miracle happening. <laughs> so I just thought I had to tell you, but I wanted to just say again, I have Today, listening is there's such a sense of peace for me. And I just I just love all of you. So thank you. Oh, so. thank you so much, Lois. And, <laughs> Thanks um, for listening to my silly story. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> and it's, and you know, and, you know, there's, I mean, there's a peace in you. I, I know there's an awful pain in you, Lois, but there's, but there's a peace in you that's palpable there as well. So. You know, you just keep having your two minds present there. You're doing, doing really well. Much thank you. Thank you, you. All yeah, right, thank you. guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. You're okay, welcome. guys. Um, thank you very much for sticking with me on this contentious issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope you got something out of today's meeting and we shall do it all again uh, next week.